This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, Geekscapists. Welcome to our brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. If this is your first Geekscape, strap yourselves in for some pop culture talk. If this isn't your first Geekscape, you know the drill. We're going to be talking pop culture. This episode is a previously recorded live panel from Los Angeles Comic Con, the last one that I'm going to put on the feed. This will be the last podcast of 2023 before we have brand new live episodes in 2024. But we're ending on a great one. This is our Creating Indie Comics panel from Los Angeles Comic Con. It featured some great Geekscape friends, previous Geekscape guests from way back, Jason Inman and Ashley Victoria Robinson. They joined me on the panel to talk about their experiences kickstarting and starting up some comics. I also had recent Geekscape guest Pei Huan Xiao from Immortal Studios on. You guys remember him from like a month ago on the feed talking about his experiences starting up his Immortal Studios comic book uh, company and Tony Fleece. You remember him from this past summer and back in the spring, the writer, creator and artist of Local Man and Stray Dogs. Uh, he joined on the panel to give his expertise, and he brought along a friend, Dennis Culver, somebody who I really, really love. Uh, his work has been on an indie book called Burnouts. He did a book called Crone for Dark Horse, and he's done some work for DC. He did a Doom Patrol book, The Man Has Cred, and he joined us on this panel. This is an awesome panel. I, of course, started it because I'm thinking about maybe, maybe, maybe starting up some indie comics. How would I go about it? Yep, I selfishly used my own podcast and panel to do my own research with my friends. Why not? I'm going to use the resources that are at my disposal, wouldn't you? That's why we built this freaking thing. Wouldn't it be awesome if I brought you some brand new comics that were born like right here in Geekscape? And you're like, whoa, that's really cool. They took characters from Geekscape and they put them in comics. We'll get to that. That being said, this panel is all about how you go about it. We talk a little bit about the state of the industry. We talk about crowdfunding. We talk about personal experiences of creating their own comics and why these creators created their own comics. And then we take some questions from the audience. All right. That's what you have in store. Let's not delay. Geekscape forever. Let's get to it. Enjoy.
Hi, everybody. My name is Jonathan London. I'm the host of Geekscape. Uh, it's a podcast I started 18 years ago uh, so that I could do exactly what I'm doing now, which is talk to creatives about movies, video games, comic books. We had our screenwriting panel earlier today in this room, but now we're back with the first love of my life, which is Me. comic books. <laughs> no, you're right next to the first love of my life, Jason Inman. I understand. Your husband. <laughs> watch it, girl. Watch your back. <laughs> uh, but uh, really, what I've been doing, in, in Jason, you and I, we go out and we talk about indie comics and financing indie comics and putting them together because really, you and Ashley have had success with this. I think everybody on their panel has had success with putting together indie comics. And I'm sure those of you who are sitting in the room right now uh, watching this panel have interest in maybe starting your first indie comics or maybe if you've ventured into indie comics and crowdfunding them or finding some way to put them together yourself, maybe you're like, how can I fine tune that? Is there a better way to do it? What am I doing that I can do better? That is really the selfish reason that I put this panel together because <laughs> I love picking these creators' brains and my podcast Geekscape has allowed me to be in kind of their vicinity where I can meet somebody like Ashley, Jason, Tony. We've got Dennis, who I, I'm meeting now for the first time, and Pei Juan, and really pick their brains about their lives as creators and share them with you guys, but really just help them uh, help them provide me with guidance, kind of find a way to, for me to get guidance from them. Um, so why don't we go down the panel and introduce yourself, not just as a creator, but like how you got into independent comic books. And we'll start with you, Ashley, because you and Jason were kind of the ones who told me like, oh, cool, they're doing it. And they're my friends. Are we friends? Oh, I'm we're friends enemies. With Jason. Uh, hi, my name is Ashley Victoria Robinson. Um, I got into comics because... Jason said that I should try writing comics um, because the real answer is because when I grew up, um, I read mostly French language comics. I'm from Canada originally. And as long as we were quiet and not killing each other, my parents were fine with what we were doing. Uh, so Tintin, Bombard and stuff like that were my gateway into comics. And then it wasn't really something I understood that you could do as a real people job until I was a grown up. And Top Cow was doing the Top Cow talent hunt, and I was one of the winners in 2013, and so I started my comics with them. I wrote a backup in Witchblade 175, uh, and then shockingly, the world didn't open up and offer me more comics writing work. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, comics for fun and profit? And that was like one of the only times I've ever been paid to write comics. So since then, uh, Kickstarter became a huge thing. And Jason and I started taking comics to Kickstarter and finding success there. Um, and that has been my big in into comics has all been crowdfunding and original comics. I mean, my first in into comic books was actually the death of Superman was that that was the first time where I looked at a story and I saw names on a page and I said, oh, wow, people can be professionals and make comic books. Um, and my name is Jason Inman. I don't know if I said that, so, uh, but enough people have said it on this panel already. But um, I kind of went the traditional route for a while, like a bunch of people trying to pitch publishers and do kind of things, and you know, didn't see much movement there because, of course, you know, I had no resume to my name, and I just took it to Kickstarter, just to say kind of the you know, f it, and it worked. And that's kind of where I've seen the most success and the more thing. And, and, and to me, it also brings like a lot of fun to it because you can kind of do what you want. 
and there's a market uh, for as another gentleman, lovely gentleman on this panel will explain. There's kind of a there's kind of a market for anything on Kickstarter, which is very interesting about it. Um, but that's how I found my way into independent comic books. I also want to add that because you mentioned the death of Superman on Jason's latest Kickstarter, he had a Dan Jurgens variant cover. So yeah. you can, through the power of independent comics, work with the people who inspired you to get into comics. So don't don't let the fact that you're doing it on your own seem like it's not an incredible opportunity. Hell yeah, Dan Jurgens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hell yeah, Dan Jurgens. <laughs> SODJ. Uh, I'm Tony Fleece. Uh, I, I make uh, a bunch of different comics. Currently, I have a book from Image Comics called Local Man, but I also did an Image Comic book called Stray Dogs. Um, I get I got into independent comics uh, and comics at the same time. I, I wrote and drew um, an autobiographical comic uh, when I was like 23 years old, and uh, it was in black and white, and it was at a time uh, in comics when there was sort of like a, a mini autobio comics boom going on. And I found somebody to publish it for me, and I sort of, uh, like at that point, was just like, oh, I, I am in comics now, and I quit my real job, and I just, after selling you know, like 700 comics through the direct market, was like, I guess I have a career. So I, I quit my job and just went to go make my way. Um, but I've done every kind of uh, comics or indie comics. I've done for work for hire, writing and drawing. I've kickstarted books. I've I've self-funded image books. So I've I've done all the all the different. Uh, shapes of, of indie comics. I also want to give a mad shout out because I mentioned this to him before the panel, but Local Man, if you haven't read it, is really good. It's like one of the best comic books I've read this year. So. Yeah, I'd say it many times on the podcast. It's and I've said it to Tony many times. It's my favorite book on stands right now. Please. I I just love <laughs> Local Man. And and Tony like 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 hanging out with you like inspires me to be like, okay, like this guy is doing it and um, I don't know how I, how I can inspire to do the twists and turns in the writing that you do. I think your writing's amazing. Um, but I'm going to freaking try. <laughs> oh, I'm going to freaking try. Thank you. Yeah, well, I hope that you what's do. What's the story of Local Man? Oh, right. uh, what's the story of Local Man? For the, un- really for the new people in the, in the room that have not heard of it, which is many, uh, it's a book from Image Comics, but it's about a guy that, like... Uh, is a former Image Comics superhero. Like, he he would have been on like a Young Blood or a Wildcats or a, a Brigade or Bloodstrike, one of these type of. Well, not Bloodstrike. He's not dead. But <laughs> one of these '90s type of Image Comics teams, extreme type superheroes, big bombastic action. Um, and now it's you know thirty-ish years later, and he's sort of been fired and canceled, and has to move home with his mom and dad in the Midwest. Um, and everybody in town hates him, and he's not allowed to be a superhero anymore, and people start getting murdered in the small town where he's from, and he has to figure out if there's a way that he can still, you know, help people without being without being a superhero, basically. I want to pitch that to Nicolas Cage. Let's do it. <laughs> do you know him? Can we get that going right now? Yeah, let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's do lunch. On board. <laughs> We're in. And that's how you network. How you network. <laughs> Uh, I'm Dennis Culver. Um, I started making comics probably around the same time you did. We never talked about this, but uh, I was putting autobio comics. Like I, I was in an attempt to learn my craft, to learn to draw, to learn to write, to learn to do the whole thing. I decided I'm just going to do a, a, a comic and a sketchbook every day of like something that happened in my day. It's like three or four panels, and then just to date it, I put started putting it on Live Journal. 
And uh, so I started, I was calling it my sketch journal. And then I had like some that were funny, you know, like some that people were responding to. And so I made a mini comic called Fun Wrecker. And I took it to the Alternative Press Expo, which they used to do in San Francisco. And I made like a hundred. I stole the copies from the place I was working for. Yes. Like, totally put the thing together. But, and I was selling them for like a dollar a piece and I made a hundred bucks. It was amazing. Uh, so that kind of got like the, the bug in me. Like I'd always been drawing and always wanted to do comics, but like actually physically doing it, physically making the thing and handing it out to people. Uh, there's something very exciting and very fulfilling about doing that. Um, and then from there, I started uh, drawing comics. Uh, also, then eventually started writing comics. Um, I did a book with Image called Burnouts, um, which is basically, uh, there's, a, there's an alien invasion that nobody can see except the worst kids in school, and they can only see it when they're stoned. Uh, so it's like Freaks and Geeks meets like John Carpenter's They, they Live. live. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, and so uh, from there, I did a, another indie book uh, with Dark Horse called Crone, which is just like an old lady warrior woman. It's like Unforgiven, but it's a woman with sword uh, coming back for one last uh, thing. And then um, I've written for DC Comics and, and Marvel and some of those guys too. But we're not talking about those. In no. Yeah. Yeah. no. And Paywan, you have a similar background to me. You come from film and TV. Uh, talk about your entrance and going into and starting Immortal Studios. Sure. I'm actually celebrating four years today um, in the indie comic business. Oh. I actually started here hey, uh, four years ago. Um, I came. I came as a. I had a pre previous career as a creator and also as a movie producer and financier. I managed to get some of my films made, but the things that I really wanted to do was to birth this martial arts fantasy known as Wuxia Universe that was incredibly expensive, ambitious, daring, and I, and I knew that to go the film route immediately would take like hundreds of millions, millions of dollars, which I wasn't going to successfully raise. The offers that I got from the studios required me to sell all my IP, which I also did not want to do. So I said, all right, I'm just gonna have to do it on my own. And I was really, the idea of being able to tell really expansive, ambitious, daring stories very quickly and semi-real time uh, with no limitations to what we could do creatively was kind of the impetus to go into the comic world. Up until then, I was basically a casual fan I had never dreamt that I would be in the comic book business. Um, I actually brought our first comic book, which we managed to launch because of the relationships I forged in my first LA Comic Con. This is The Adept. We launched it and we successfully raised $35,000 um, from 1,205 people, which launched the Immortal Storyverse, which according to my own lore is competing with Marvel and DC for the next generation of superheroes because I'm tired of superheroes. <laughs> and I believe we have an original opportunity to really turn the page with things that are grounded. And so we're, so when I think about the comic book business, what's most exciting for me first is, has been the camaraderie. The friendships, the kind of um, fellowship and support you get from fellow creators. I come from Hollywood where it's pretty cutthroat. You know, you seldom leave a meeting with people saying, hey, what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I open up my Rolodex? That was like the first impression. And two is just the, um, we've been able to issue now multiple issues of our books. I think um, we've now successfully run six Kickstarter campaigns. We're in the process of launching our 10th book. Um, we've gotten worldwide distribution through Dynamite to the direct market. And uh, we're in the process of launching our own movie studio. 
all because of the work that we were able to do just by telling our stories with an original vision. So I'm really excited and I'm coming back here actually to launch the next chapter of, of the Immortal Storyverse. And, and in fact, um, I just um, got our one of our writers to Assassin G to be to write for the movie today. Huh. And, and guys, uh, if you're not following Immortal Studios on their on their socials, um, you actually have a, a town hall coming up later this week that is like an online town hall. You can come hang out with them, similar to like a Zoom type room, we'll bring in and, all of our creators and find out what artists. they're all about. Yeah, that kind of um, thing. We actually just also partnered with. The Shaolin Temple, which as if you're walking down Broadway, I'm really happy of this because <laughs> last actually, night, last night I was yes. leaving a concert. I'm walking down Broadway and I saw the marquee has not changed from two weeks ago when they were doing this giant wushu martial arts yeah, event. Exactly. It's still there. So I took a picture at like 11 o'clock at night and sent it to him. I was like, sorry for the late text, but your marquee's still out getting free advertising on Broadway. No, no, we called it on that stage. We, we, we got the abbot of the, the head of the Shaolin Temple where the legend of Kung Fu started to be on our stage uh, sharing our characters and giving us the mandate to really um, launch the, the next generation of Kung Fu, which is kind of like unimaginably cool and amazing. Yeah, but if you went to see Shang-Chi or if we're, we're talking about right. John Carpenter, if you've seen Big Trouble Little China, like that is all like Zoo Warriors inspired Shaolin Wushu stuff. I run Geekscape. I didn't have no, friends. No, until no, I, I know all this, all this <laughs> you, weird you knowledge. You hear Shang-Chi, you hear a lot of other stuff, but Zoo Warriors, like that is such an original, important title. I actually oh, my brother back there and I, we used to watch that stuff all the time. He became a pro wrestler and I became a person in the comics. Wait, can we like, just evolve in, into like the, when like the Chinese invasion came over in terms of the Hollywood film industry. Can we talk about how Simon Hung doesn't get enough credit and how he's the Simon best? Hung does not get enough credit and how for he's the Shop best of that no. whole group. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I've heard the, the word Chinese invasion before. So, I mean, they taught tell us me that about in, that. They taught us that. Explain yourself. So, when I was in... I may when be I was part in, of that, but I don't know. When I was know, in I theater mean. school, they referred to, like, the, the bringing over in, like, the sort of... 50s through 70s of You're like You're talking about like when John Wu came with Chow Yun Fat. No, no, she's talking 50s, 70s, the things that laid the groundwork for Bruce Lee to be able to come yeah. over, the Shaw Brothers movies to be able to come over and be fourth walled alongside the other exploitation films. That was 70s. That yeah. was that would yeah. be the Wu Sham films of the mm -hmm. 70s. But I but I think really when they landed because I've been part of that wave so to speak um, was when John Wu and Chow Yun Fat came over. Mm -hmm. It's the 90s. Um, We're talking 90s there. Um, uh, but the 70s, killer, yeah. well, Bruce Lee was rejected by Hollywood. He had to go find his career in Hong Kong, and then, then they loved him because he was given the chance to do these things. But... I think we're seeing a new pay, a, a new mm -hmm. age today of inclusion and representation. And now, um, you know, I'm really proud f for my fellow Americans because I, I think people in North America are really supporting diverse voices now. We're Asian American content. We're the only AAPI-led global storyverse uh, where the majority of our fans are non-Asians. So 85% of our fans are just people like in this room. So this, that's extraordinary. 
Well, let's talk about the idea of being rejected, just along the lines of being rejected by the norm, the Marvel, the DC. Uh, Tony, uh, Jason, Ashley, Dennis, did you guys do the query letters? Did you guys try going to the big twos? Like, I'm guessing that when Fortune and Glory came out, when some of those autobiographical books in the early 2000s came out, you guys were like, okay, cool, I'm going to do a similar thing to what Bendis did with Fortune and Glory. I'm going to do an autobiographical book. But did you try alongside that to be like maybe pitch a spider Man's story to Marvel or to maybe meet one of the DC editors at a comic convention and see what they thought of your writing samples. Ashley, she did a wild storm contest for writers. Is there any point in doing that or is this the place where you say, you know what? I'm going to get rejected by that stuff. I'm going to tell my own story and kind of go the way that uh, we're hearing from Juan, where you just say, hey, I'm going to own it. I'm going to kickstart it. I'm going to believe in myself because those places will reject me. Did you try to go to the traditional route? Yeah, don't blind query an editor. <laughs> they don't want it. They won't open it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you try at all, Tony and Dennis, to go to, at, at any point, the traditional... I mean, Dennis origin- uh, eventually got there. Into the mic, please, sir. Uh, Into the mic, please, speaking sir. Speaking the mic, Tony, come on. Oh, come please, on, sir. Dude. Please, sir. I mean, Dennis, Dennis writes for DC right now. Um, but did it come from blind query or did it come from your work? No, in the it independent? comes. It comes from working your way from like building your career, right? You like keep you. Keep going. You keep talking. <laughs> I know your story, yeah. Dennis. Tell him. Tell him what's happening. I to answer your question, I did not. I uh, I was did just. In, did you send in art samples? I never sent in you samples. Never got any rejection letters? I've never been rejected. <laughs> uh, I sent in samples one time, uh, art samples to Dark Horse, and I got a letter. Uh, uh, very early it was basically saying uh in a nice way this is awful and you need to work on everything uh and but i think that is a good thing like i and i think that if you are making comics and you're trying to start out you have to make peace with the idea that you suck and like it's just going to be bad that's just the way things go and the only way there's a the Adventure Time quote, the only way you get better at something is sucking at something. And so you absolutely just have to make peace with that idea that you're probably going to make some bad comics and then that's going to teach you how to make better comics. Um, and it's a process that you just go through. And, so, and, and I think that it's a good idea to give those things, like I would make my, those mini comics that I was talking about, I kept sending them in. Uh, I sent a few into Oni Press until one day Oni Press called me and said, hey, we've got a book for you we want you to try out on, which meant I had to do some samples for free and I did not get the job and I was very annoyed by it. But then, uh, you know, I did it and then another time I got a call, it's like, hey, we got it, we got a book for you. We don't need you to do samples. We just want you to do this. And it's only from being online, putting my art online, basically sucking out loud, like like putting myself out there, which there's a lot of different ways to do that. Uh, and then, you know, people look at your stuff and they see you getting better over time. I'm, you guys have all experienced that on the internet. You know somebody who at some point, you're like, hey, this guy's pretty good all of a sudden, like out of nowhere. And editors do that too. And people that give you money and hire you, they do that too and they see it. And and it's it's the only way to move forward. Like. I don't think, you know, you just have to make peace, you're gonna get rejected. But a lot of people, a lot of people won't build that pain tolerance. Like I think about that pain tolerance, and I'm like, oh, that's brutal. But you almost really have to throw yourself into the blender as fast as you can. Like Jason, Ashley, when you guys came out, you weren't uh, doing the things for like Image, maybe IDW like Tony was, alongside your creator-owned work, where you could say, okay, cool, like this one's for me, it's kind of my voice, and then here's the stuff that is actually sponsored by IDW and is a, a known license. Thing. And I think when I was writing Miami Vice for Lion Forge, I totally should have had my own creator own book so that I could 
completely fail, like Dennis is saying, and then alongside be like, yeah, but I'm also doing the Miami Vice book for Universal, and that I wasn't doing those two things concurrently, a lot of that had to do with the pain tolerance I didn't have for the rejection I was going to get from my own idea, and it really was through building community that I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll have enough support now to go through with it, because I'm about to be 45 next week. It took me a long time to build the pain tolerance of going into indie comics through Kickstarter. How did you guys build pain tolerance? There's a there's a Peter Dinklage quote where he was given, I think he, when he won one of the Emmys or some SAG award, and he said, a lot of times when they'll see me on Game of Thrones, people will say, oh, lucky you. And he's, his response to that is, you mean 10 years of hell to yeah. get the lucky you? He was like, it was not luck at all. It was... 15 to 10 years of hard, hard work until I got to this point. Um, I just, you know, weirdly for me, I I just started looking at people um, and seeing other comic books and just being like, well, if they could do it, I could do it. Like, that's where I got to the point where, or I would, I, you know, I got into a lot of like, you know, YouTube journalism and stuff like that. Like I was reviewing comic books and I even like, for four years I was the, co-host of DCL Access so it was it was me and Tiffany Smith were like the face that you would see in DC comic books and I interviewed enough creators and they would talk about their process and they would talk about their things and I would say like well if they can do it I can do it like they basically like laid out a blueprint for me this can't be that hard and you have to yeah be very used to that first one you know um, and I and I did you know I sent samples to all to even before I was inside the building at DC I sent samples and um you know, never heard anything back. And that's where I got like a lot of my pain tolerance. Like my last Kickstarter comic book, Super Best Friend, was when I was in the building. I was literally in the building at DC Comics. I was a DC Comics employee, like making videos for them. And I pitched them the idea of like, hey, have you guys ever thought about Jimmy Olsen being a YouTuber? It's a pretty good idea. Like he would make YouTube videos of Superman. And it would be like the most popular YouTube channel of all time. And their response, like literally their response to me was like, <laughs> you're a video host. Stay in your lane. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just stripped off all the names. I got enough rejection of that. And I was like, you know what? This is a good idea. I don't care. And I made it super best friend and made 60 grand on YouTube, not on YouTube, but on Kickstarter. So, but that, that that goes in the Would lane. Would you say there was a little bit of spite there too? Because they oh, told yeah. you no, spite is a oh, incredible a motivator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. spite's well, the I, best. Because I, I knew it was a good idea. Yep, I, I knew it was a good idea, and and you know that was a to go part of your thing, Jonathan. It's like the rejection train of just like I, I had a lot of other people ask me. They were just like, yeah, but it, is the is the story less because it's not a Superman story? And I, my response to that is, I'm like, no, the story is better. Yes, because it's now mine. Yes, you know. Um, and I think that also comes from that thick skin of rejection too. I just want to like add to the thing about rejection. Like I'm an actor, so I've been rejected a million times worse from acting <laughs> than I ever have from comics. And I'm also a woman on the internet. So like more people have told me to kill myself because I didn't like a Deadpool movie than they have over like anything I've ever created. So, and I think I'm great. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like with Kickstarter is equitable. You'll either back it or you won't. Yeah. And the project either lives or it dies. And it's not like a hateful thing. So, to me, it was really liberating to go to a place where you're not filtered by people who are trying to const, you know, be the arbiters of taste. You actually get to really be yourself and be excited about the things that you really care about, and just go for it. You know, so that was really liberating. And of course, um, my journey started with a very clear idea that I wanted to run my own my own studio. 
I was not trying to get a way in. I wanted to own my own voice. I wanted to live and die by by the decisions and the visions that I had. So so going to Kickstarter and and so I was able to greenlight my own comic book, which was amazing. And I don't think I could have gotten a job being a writer. I'm not really trained as a writer, but I was able to write something that I'm really proud of. Chronicles of the Immortal Swordsman. I was able to essentially just get on the job and, and write something that I'm, I'm still proud of today. But wait a minute, Paywan. He's, he's not being honest with you. Writing is in his blood. It is. Especially in this subject matter, because your father was a big Wushu writer. Wusha. Well, Wusha. Yes, Wusha. My, bad, Wusha. No, my father was one of the top creators uh, in the genre, I'd say, in the past hundred years. So a lot of that Chinese invasion stuff, I mean... Uh, so I saw him write my entire life, so it wasn't something... But so not it, comics. No, he, he, he wrote novels, and he wrote movies and television shows. So that's what, in fact, um, I was able to bring in all of, the, all of that IP into our Storyverse, which we're in the process of updating. And But that's a separate thing, but... Yeah. So yes, create, creativity is in my blood. So And of course, coming from Hollywood, I wanted, you know, being able to... to be part of this medium where there's no limit, very, you know, smaller limitations was really refreshing. So that was a different vantage point maybe because I didn't start off saying I wanted to be a comic book writer or not, but now it's in my blood and I love it and, and I'll continue down this journey in addition to the other media. And, and, and you had the same doubts of learning that new skill and in, harness, in like figuring out how to do it. Tony, the hardest skill, know. frankly, was talking on video. With me? <laughs> no, no, not with, with just in general. Yeah. Just because the, the prospect of going to a Kickstarter yeah. used to be when you're a movie producer, you're good in the room, right? You're pitching money people, you're pitching executives. Now you're like looking at the camera, you're talking to fans. So that was really hard. Oh, you did it, great. It took a little bit. Of, it took a little bit of time. Okay, so that wasn't the first take you put up. Um, I, I'm still working on it. <laughs> uh, Tony, what was the t learning curve like for you? Um, you know, the, obviously you did a biographical book. Um, it was something you had to get out as an artist. But then as you start to, to get attention from places like IDW, you start to get attention from places that want to hire you or you're pitching something like Local Man or Stray Dogs to Image. What were some of the skills that then took you from an autobiographical creator or somebody who's doing your art to someone who has to start thinking about commerce when you're doing a creator-owned book but under the maybe a bigger corporate umbrella like a place like Dark Horse or I, I want to add something to that because yeah. I, I would love to know the, the answer Tony were you ever rejected as like an like because you're you know the writer and artist yeah. like did the place ever reject you as the artist but accept you as the writer <laughs> or reject you as the writer and accept you as the artist <laughs> he's like hey listen Larson's going to draw this yeah. <laughs> we got Todd McFarlane over here so, so. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in that sounds great uh, no, no I mean I've, I've definitely had stuff like pitches turned down but they were never like we want this but not for you to draw okay or so, so far that is rejection Tony like when you turn down the pitch but not to me buddy <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance Tony's like like, Tony's like, like Jim Carrey so pocket. you're saying there's a chance I'm very stubborn uh, <laughs> like if a, if a pitch gets rejected it just goes back in my pocket and it'll go somewhere else eventually like once I've decided I'm making something I'm making it but that's somewhere. such a that's so true though like uh, a lot of this stuff that I'm putting together now is 
screenplays that just are like you know that's it's like what Jason said it's like oh that's DC doesn't idea. DC doesn't idea. want my Jimmy Olsen story that yeah. is yeah. Uh, a slam dunk I'm gonna do it myself and like if we look at a budget like Paywan is telling you like if we can't do a fantasy world in a bunch of special effects on a budget then we got to figure out how to do it on the page yeah. and you know I think that's the tactic continue sir please uh, no, uh, to answer your question, uh, and and same as Dennis, like when I made my own comic, or, or, originally it was like, let me teach myself how to do these things. Like, sure. Uh, I I was in I was like on the internet in message board culture at the time, and there was a lot of uh, comics being made, and I was like, uh, you know, like you said, like if they if they could do it, I could do it too. But also it was like, well, I, I had never written anything at that point, and it was like, well. I don't want to sp- like this takes a long time to do to draw it and I don't want to spend that time just drawing somebody else's dumb story so I'll just do my own dumb stories um, and then that's how that happened but all the learning curve part of it um, I, I don't I mean I definitely think about commerce um, but I don't not when I'm coming up with story ideas necessarily so that that's not a part of it the, the main thing because like I drew for My Little Pony for like 10 years the IDW comics and I drew Star Wars comics for them and Rick and Morty comics for Oni and a lot of licensed stuff and all that stuff was like Dennis was saying like it was like my doing like failing out loud like you know I, I, I have to draw this book in three weeks it has to be good enough to be printed uh and so let me just do as best as I can for, you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of pages until when I'm like, I sort of spent that long stretch figuring it out, learning how to tell stories, feeling good about it, being confident. And then when I remembered like, oh, I would, I should also be making my own stuff. Like there's no uh, retirement set up for me at, at My Little Pony Comics HQ, you know, so I should own my own stuff. And so by the time I came back around to doing that and I I did books like Stray Dogs, I was uh, a much more confident storyteller and and much stronger storyteller at that point to be able to take everything I'd built, learned during drawing licensed comics for all that time and sort of put it into my own stuff. You, you built community too. What was that, Dennis? You the, built community you as built well? Community. Yeah, yeah. It's, you suddenly have pros around you that are also doing the thing that are that you respect and and in pushing each other. Like Tony and I were in a studio together and we were making comics and I was in his ear constantly saying, Make indie comics, you fool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what are you doing doing all these my little points? Like sometimes it's it's tough love. Yeah. But you know, uh, and then Tony would sometimes be, what are you doing? Get to work. Like <laughs> I kinda like like, you know, it's just that back and forth and I think that's important too. Um, I built it, I built that community, like the the kind of community that, that kicks your ass and makes and like makes you better. And then I also built the community uh, of collaborators of I've worked with this guy on one thing he could color this book or I met Trish who drew stray dogs through through drawing My Little Pony comics and community going to conventions yeah. and meeting yeah. you know retailers like and customers yeah. and all that stuff yeah. and I would say that is something that you guys listen, watching this panel can do right now is walk the floor talk to the artists I mean it, I talked to my lawyer about how to figure this thing, whole thing out with indie comics, and he po- pointed me to just Facebook groups for writers that want to connect with artists and artists and writers that want to p- connect with publishers. And I started a Google Sheets where I said, okay, like the artist's name, link to their 
art page or their portfolio or your deviant art and what their rate is and it does that include pencils does it include inks or it, of course it includes pencil does it include inks does it include scanning and i made a database and i just looked at it and said okay if i have a 24 page comic how much does this person cost versus this person and what is their style and i kind of just budgeted the whole thing out but as i'm doing it i'm communicating with artists on Facebook or email and just talking to them about, oh, this is what you're about. Where do you live? Oh, cool. What are you into? I see that you drew this and I love that style. I don't have an idea for it yet, but I'm going to put you in my back pocket for an idea later on. And Jason, in the last two weeks, three weeks, I've added like 45 artists on this spreadsheet that I want to work with all of them because I reached out to them. And if any idea comes to me and it can't immediately turn into a film or TV show, it's going right to that database because it's affordable and immediate. And that, and we've been taught, we talk even not about comics. Some of these artists, I'm like, that's, that's the we're best talking thing. about uh, Godzilla minus zero. That's the best thing about indie comics. And I think, I think everybody on this table would agree is that the pool of artists that are only working at Marvel and DC is such a small pool. And the pool of artists that are everywhere else, like, you would be surprised. I found every artist I've ever collaborated with on Twitter because I will just, if I see your artwork and I like you, I will follow you. And I have a list that I do as well. And, you know, there are people out there that I'm, I'm shocked. Like there are people out there that I generally do think should draw Batman. And, you know, DC has no idea who they are. I reached out or, to one know. and I said, hey man, I like your book. But I didn't realize his post was from 2022. He's a daredevil artist right now. He's yeah. the current daredevil artist. Jason and I, and I found and I was our like, oh shit, this guy deserved to be with the big two more so than a lot of artists, and he did. Jason and I found our first ever artist for uh, Ringo losing series Jupiter Jet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, because his name is Ben Matsuya because he drew fan art of Jason, and it was pretty good. And we were like, do you have sequential samples? And one of our earliest collaborators. Um, for an anthology, Nick Robles is now drawing a bunch of stuff at DC. Yeah, those guys are great. Yeah. yeah. And they're all out there. And they, just like you as a writer, just like you as a creator, they're looking to get their shot. And like Tony said about building community, like Dennis said, why not give each other that shot and build that community and build that product together and get excited about ideas together, right? Because as, that's kind of the way these studios form, you know? As an artist, though, I am terrified at the idea of being on a spreadsheet with 45 other people <laughs> in a week. <laughs> what are you going to do with that many artists? Okay, yeah. okay. Listen, all right. He hasn't rejected you yet. I got lots of stories. I, got lots of stories. <laughs> I think you're already on that list. Yeah, unfortunately. So without You just don't know it. But I, on the other side of that, I will say that I, the great thing about you know, all kinds of social media and artists having websites, and the great thing about indie comics is that like, I, a lot of times you know, some of the big dogs that I think would never draw an indie comic, like like I mentioned Dan Jurgens and, and like, um, I will email um, people that I admire in comic books and I will just say, I'm doing this book on Kickstarter, I need a cover, what's your price? Just an ask. And you would be surprised who will respond and who will give you quotes and who will you people that you would be like oh there's no way in hell i can afford this person who will give you a reasonable rate that'll be like oh i can totally pay that well then i guess you're gonna you are gonna do a variant cover for me dan jurgens you know <laughs> I, like, you'll be surprised the pros so like and then again that's the thing that like if you were working at one of the big two i think like 
you could see an editor or editor in chief being like, no, 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 that person's completely wrong for your book. Sure. But for you, you could have fun with it. It's your art. Yeah. You find out who's right for it. Well, and there's also something cool about because we do that uh, with Local Man too, is we hire a lot of uh, people who drew Image Comics in the '90s, um, and it and most of them are still working in comics, but they could do a cover for like you know New Warriors or something, and it would just come out in previews and come out in stores. But when they do a Local Man cover, we spend you know the whole three months before it comes out going like. Uh, Brett Booth did a cover for this. You're not going to believe how dope it looks, you know, like, and their mentions pop off and they, you know, it's got to feel nice all day long. Just being like, oh, they really think this is great, you know, whereas, you know, otherwise it's just you're sort of doing your job, you know, you just turn in your work and it comes out and, you know, in in indie comics, you do sort of get to celebrate by way of having to scream at the top of your lungs that your books are coming out all the time. So I think this is, um, for those of you who are actually considering going on Kickstarter, I think there's been a lot of discussions about the, the creative, the art, the, the networking, I would say, spend as much time as, as an equal amount of time to really thinking about marketing. So if you're thinking about doing something, the time to put together your email list is now. You have the time to really get comfortable standing in front of a camera, uh, putting your lists together, thinking about the, the marketing copy, all of those things. Because I think part of part of Kickstarter is, is that you're, re- you're really inviting to pe- people to come on this journey with you. And you just want to have as big of a community out the door. Because I think that's really the other critical success factors of you just spend some time thinking about what that looks like. And acquiring names, putting that email list together, think about marketing, think about the things that really makes makes what you're doing very, very special. When that's married properly together with the artwork is really kind of when the magic happens. Um, so I would say think about those things as well. Yeah, you're about to become frighteningly aware if you have an arts degree instead of a business degree. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Paywan, you threw it to the aspiring possible creators. Um, what questions do you have for the panelists, if you guys have any? We have about 10, 15 minutes left. What, yes, sir, in the back. I'll repeat your question so that we can have it on mic. Hey, would you recommend, if you're not an artist at the moment, would you recommend learning how to draw or getting an illustrator if you come from a strict writing background is the question? Depends on the kind of story that you're uh, trying to tell, right? You got some? Yeah, I would do the thing I was talking about earlier where you uh, make a daily comic that's three or four panels, even if you're drawing it with stick figures, you're going to just just taking an idea like somebody said a funny thing to you at the supermarket and breaking that down into only four panels and figuring out how to communicate what was said, the punchline, whatever it is, like even with stick figures, it's gonna teach you so much about not only what the process of making comics, but being able to take what your idea is and communicating it to an artist who has a visual mindset. And if you do that, like commit yourself to doing it for like 30 days, just whatever little small thing you can do, you're gonna learn so much, letter it yourself, do the whole thing, uh, you want to color it, color it, but like teach yourself like just the very fundamental mechanics of comics. It'll it'll go uh, miles and miles of like talking with artists and suddenly being able to write for artists because uh, as artists who have drawn for writers who are not prepared for that, it is a nightmare when somebody doesn't understand that you can only get one action in a panel. You can't do several things at once in a panel. Like you like like learning that process is going to help you a lot. That's yeah, my yeah. POV. The question is, if uh, you've you've kind of pushed, uh, you've kind of worked on this long enough to develop several stories within a comic book universe. And your question is, do you start with one one shot for one of the titles, or 
three mini uh, stories for three of the titles and maybe put them in a horse race against each other to see which one has the most legs and then continue with that? Or what do you guys think of a strategy like that? Because, you know, he and I don't have that much different. Like if I come into this stage of wanting to put things into comics and I've got several screenplays sitting on the on the the laptop and I'm like, okay, which one do we start with first? Or I could do a double issue where it has two stories of one and then we see which one people respond to. Like, I mean, is there an answer to this? Is there a science to this? What do you guys think? There's there's not an answer. The answer is you've got to get over your insecurities, make a decision. I, and that's a non-answer, I understand. Jeremy Adams has a great quote that um, the new perfect is finished. Yep. And I think uh, Grace Ellis also has a great quote that is... Um, professionals finish things and those are something that I cling to every single day I would say take the story you feel strongest about and if it's closer to three pages do three and if it's closer to 24 do 24 but like stick with your best idea and the thing you're most excited for because that's going to help you finish <laughs> yeah done is beautiful yep you probably have a like an instinct in your gut, like you know which one is the best one. Just you know, you, you know. know. I think you, you know. I, think you know. I tried you this. Know. I tried <laughs> yeah, this yeah, quite already. a bit, which is which is going and testing, and, I, and I, I I love testing things out, and and I would oftentimes put up just a bunch of things on Facebook, just pictures, and you you can try this on your own, and you know the the one that you you're most passionate about isn't oftentimes the one that people actually want to see. It's the so I would I would test it out to the to the degree that you're going to be relying upon some kind of uh, customer reaction. I would engage your community and have them part of be part of this selection process. Counterpoint. <laughs> That's a great idea, and I see you doing it with the four. Like right now, uh, Immortal Studios has four books plus. Kickstarter with four books. Kickstarter with four books. And you can kind of see like what people are responding to and which one you might want to put a little bit more resources towards, a little more attention towards. Not that you don't want to tell all of them, because I know you want to tell all of them, right? They all burn inside of you. But uh, there's a strategy to making the name by doing the one that people really want. I think that's great advice, Pei-Juan. I, I actually think that because I, I love the, the comic medium, but I'm not wedded to how it's going to manifest in the future. I personally think like nobody heard of Webtoons before they're just kind of yeah. they, they arrived and kind of changed the game. And I personally believe that the, the business of comics are on the verge of changing because it hasn't really caught up to digital realities particularly for for Gen Y, Gen Z, where it's no longer, you know, driven by comic books, but it's driven by uh, digital scrolling and social media. So I think the means of distribution are about to change. And I would say, you know, be part of that before it even happens. I would, I personally would like to launch things on, on TikTok right now, which is the next generation for, for, for what we're doing at Immortal. Where this is just this becomes a companion to other things that we want to do in real, real, in real time, uh, rendering and delivery. Uh, there's an app called Tapas. It's mainly anime, manga, and they will do an, an ad split with creators, but it's it is very heavily manga comics, and uh, and they do a scroll. It is a vertical or a left scroll, um, and. Every couple of pages, you get a little bit of an ad. You can post your stuff up on there and free, compete in their community of creators, see who gets the clicks. But if a, a book does well enough, Tapas will then take it and they'll print it in China and start printing it in other places. Uh, one of the editor, oh, ex-editor chiefs of heads of Tapas was somebody who listened to an early podcast of me enthusiastically, this is how old it was, talking about 
the line art from the very first Civil War in Marvel that, that they did. It was like, and I was talking about the line art and I was like, oh my God, it's so incredible. He got, he went out and got bought comics for the first time and got so into comics that he pursued a career in comics. Uh, my friend Michael worked at Tapas for a long time and th that's an app. And that is something that will probably take your work now. You won't make any money on it until you start putting together followers, but in the same way you would do it on an Instagram or on a Twitter or on your Facebook or any of these social media. So I think that's a great note. I would note. do that first. Do it. it. I, I would do that first. Tapas, like, uh, like you're going to a Spanish restaurant. T-A-P-A-S. And, it, and again, it's very anime manga it's very heavy on manga influence stuff and manga content. Webtoons has a similar Webtoons platform. has a similar platform, right. Um, one more question. Let's do one more question. And then, of course, I'm going to throw you guys at my panelists out in the hallway. You can attack them like piranhas. Yes, sir, in the back. Oh, with the snap. Yes, sir. The question is, uh, we're, as creators, like what stories are we drawn to uh, tell that aren't being told? And I haven't said this so far on the panel, but one thing that beyond just building a Geekscape community of you guys, like I just had Pink Juan on the, on the show. Uh, I've been doing this monthly, this weekly podcast for 18 years to meet creators, talk to creators, uh, pull knowledge from creators. Um, one thing that inspires me beyond com like talking to you guys and building a community with you guys is kind of reading the big two. When I read the big two, I've started to just read the big two and say, oh, Jonathan, you can do this. Like, no offense to the big two, but like, it's like some of the, I'm not talking the big, I'm not talking like the, I'm not talking like the big writing on the big stuff, but like some of the, some of the books I'm like, some of the books I read are just like, all right, Jonathan, like you can tell, you can write this stuff. Like, does that make sense? Tony, I don't mean to like be a hater, but like, it's not being a hater. You do the same with movies. You watch, but it's the same thing that gets, it's the same thing that inspires you to be a filmmaker too. It's like, oh, I can do this. But that ego is like apparent with all creators. Right. We all have this kind of hubris. Oh, go for it, go for it, go for it. And we book. look at something and we think we can do it better. Like that is, there's like, you know, that fear you were talking yeah. about at the beginning, the fear of rejection. We have that, but we also have this kind of thing where <laughs> I could do that better too. And it's like this weird so contrast. You, so you just go do it, ourselves. right? Yeah, you just make the thing. That is really the answer to this. And you we'll have to be naive comic, too, right? Make a comic, the end. Like so you get better with every comic But to make. answer your question, I'm a one genre guy. I'm not, I'm beyond, I, I I love to sample other things, but I only do things that are martial arts fantasy oriented. And I'm not you know, full stop. superheroes. Like, I just don't yeah. do anything that's out of that lane. Um, I may do it as an experiment, but but my focus is entirely into that genre. And the answer to that, like like what what I'm really saying with like Marvel and DC is like I read the superhero stuff and I'm like, I think I'm growing out of this and I need to write stories so in a different direction. This campaign you're, right. to. you're turning the page on superheroes and doing wuxia stuff. I think I'm just going to go violently away from... I don't think I'll ever write a superhero story. And that is like what Jason yeah. and Ashley I mean, know outdated, very right? well. Like, We've outgrown superheroes. Like, <laughs> like Jason and Ashley love... Like Jason is very versed in superheroes. I'm here for like superheroes. superheroes. Uh, well, our editor-in-chief was the editor-in-chief of Marvel and DC. So it's not... It's not, like, Harris, I'm, yeah. it's not like I'm disrespecting them. It's just that I think every... Every generation requires stories that are fitting for that time time frame, and I think we've moved on, or and we're in the process of moving on. But Tony's celebrating it with Local Man and then well, commenting on it. Um, yeah, I guess to a certain extent. That's more about, that's about indie comics, too. It's, yeah. not, it's not about big two comics. But 
what you're saying about I think I could do that better is is ties in wrong. It, well, I think I said it wrong. I think I, I, I can do. I, there has to be. A, there has to be a say their name. There has to be say their names. There has to be a different way to do this. That's exactly it. And what you're asking about with genre and stuff like that is those two things are related. Like when I see, you know like a western and there's something like it and it's going in a direction and i go oh this is gonna be awesome when this happens and then that thing i think that's gonna happen doesn't happen all of a sudden then i have an idea for a western it's like oh do that thing but then that thing happens um there, there's a movie out right now uh Saltburn, that i feel like the the filmmaker was just like they saw talent from mr ripley and be like what if this happened though mm-hmm. and then they just made a you know, they just went ahead and made their own thing. There's there's all kinds of ideas that come from watching something, reading something, seeing two. Like I've seen two trailers in a row, and go like, those two should be the same movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to see it if you know the the guy tries to get the girl that's out of his league, but then also you know she's a inhuman monster that eats people or whatever. You know, like. Um, Green light. <laughs> Spoilers for local men. No, I'm yeah, kidding. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with um, Tony here because, like, I I always just go on like where my mood takes me, and it's funny. Jonathan just you know put it put me down as like superhero machismo guy, whatever. And, no, 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 you're and, just very no, no, versed in it. So I'm I'm very versed in it, but I feel the same way about Jonathan. And it's so funny that we have two people on our panel that were very much about. Um, you know, like sort of autobiographical comic books because I would be honest with you, I kind of think because of webtoons and things like that, that that's where we're going to go back to because for me, I, I looked this up right now, if you haven't read Ducks by Kate Beaton, it's one of the best comic books I've read in 10 years. And it is, it is simply a story about a girl working in an oil field. And it, I thought it was brilliant. And it's been like twenty years ish since yeah. the, since the autobio like the last sort of like autobio spike. These things are ten. Yeah, like Brian Bucatello. Yeah. B- yeah. How do you pronounce Brian's name? B- Brian Buca Bucatello. He's yeah. doing a semi autobiographical book called Midlife Hero or whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think yeah. it's. I, I saw the pages in the back of your book. I think it's the first time I read it. And I uh, did they put an image? I think put pages from it in I the back of it. Probably an ad. I don't think yeah, an ad. I looked at it and I was like, oh my god, this is awesome. I went and talked to him yesterday on the floor. It was like I, I gotta read this book. It was it looked great, and he's a super cool guy. But I, th- I do think that autobiographical stuff's coming back. I do too. Yeah, that's that would be my guess. But where, isn't that yeah. the best work, anyways? When you're writing from yeah. your heart, right? Whether yeah. however you you obscure it, ultimately it comes the things that really land are the things that touch us. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, Brian Buccellato is, is, is my co-writer on one of our books that's oh. on Kickstarter right now. It's all connected. Yes. The, it's all connected. It's all back around. <laughs> this is all connected. Geekscape is the new MCU. <laughs> it's all connected. There you go. Geekscape is the... Do you remember when they had the... the when they, they launched, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you had, like, Jeff Loeb saying, it's all connected. Dude, I'm on to you. No, you we're all... Geekscape is all... Me just trying to connect you guys. You're doing something in any uh, yeah. court of law. I'm trying. <laughs> well, well, guys, listen. Um, there's so much more to talk about. Um, thank you guys for being part of this panel. I want to thank my panelists first, like Ashley, Jason, Tony, Dennis, Pequan. Like, thank you guys so much for the knowledge. Um... I did record this so it can be out on the Geekscape podcast feed. Subscribe to Geekscape on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you do it. Uh, And also subscribe to Ashley and Jason's podcast, which they're going to plug right now. And thank you guys for being a part of this. Hey, wasn't that fun talking about my first love comic books? 
I love talking comic books, and I really love talking comic books in front of an audience, and I really love talking comic books with you all. The Geekscape is my chosen family. Maybe you've pried yourself away from your real family during the holidays to listen to this Geekscape. Hey, it's okay. Everybody needs a little bit of me time, and you made it us time. Geekscape time. And I appreciate that you did that. It means a lot to me, but... This is free content, and I'm going to ask for you to pay the price of hitting that share button, sending this to your friends, and saying, hey, you like comics? This might be a really cool conversation for you to listen to. You might really enjoy it. Also, you can leave us that five-star review on whatever podcatcher you're listening to my voice on right now, because that stuff helps me get more awesome guests on the podcast. And of course, subscribe, do all that stuff. And look for Geekscape on all of the different social media outlets. You can always email me at jonathan at geekscape.net. I should answer your email pretty quickly. And we'll see you in 2024. Geekscape forever. Don't hate, create. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.